FMX Network Production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp Mech Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I survived off of handling skills. The people spoke. They voted for talent. The people are idiots. Don't you know that? <laughs> I got to come out guns blazing with this fucking jagaloon. Not even in the same hemisphere of the fucking world. Hey, what's, what's the hemisphere? I don't know. I didn't go to college. I got paid to not go, but I just know it's not <laughs> on this part of the world. Not one writer in that overplayed feature has mentioned Eli Tomac in the See, fucking that, Mount that Rushmore just shows Watch it, Chris, because Blake Baggett said it. So, so again, just please watch it before you say stuff like that. Oh, uh, he got me on that one. <laughs> Blake I, I suck. I, I, I don't know why I suck. I'm just... Fuck. I'm not good at math. You should be looking up at the stars. <laughs> That's where he's at. I don't look into the light of other men's fucking eyeballs. Well, I did that. you can't say little wings like that. Probably hurt like the dickens, man. Well, I'm over these fucking weekly check-ins. What? Yeah, where I... the fuck was your racecraft, bro? <laughs> Dude, is that not fucking weird or what? I saw Ryan Villapoto ride a Toronto Supercross under all kinds of narcotics. Crushing it. Making way more than he does at an AMA motocross. <laughs> I think Dirt Shark's a moron. You know, dark side here. He just his podcast just shits on guys. It's not easy talking <laughs> shit on riders all day. If you had been racing still to this day, racing, racing, and if if you Start had drifting, if you had the lucid goggle, you would be winning supercrosses right now. You sure, yes, I'll come back a hundred percent. He he was undergoing a sex change. What's up? We're back. It's time to get geared up. So put your helmet on, grab your X-brand goggles, make sure you have plenty of tear offs because I feel like there's going to be a lot of mud flung tonight. We're back with a new Pulpamex wrap-up show. I'm Darkseid from the Moto X Pod Show, and I'm brought to you by Guts Racing. If you remember last week, I had a couple guests that challenged tonight's guests to see who get do a better wrap-up show. So it'll be up to you guys to email me, darkside at pulpamex.com, to let me know your thoughts. But here we go. First up, brought to you by Seal Savers from the Moto Limited Show, Trip Mar. What's up, dude? Darkseid, I'm up first this time. Happy to be here. Yeah, I always put you on second so i had to get you on right and hey i said your name correctly right yeah you nailed it there's uh, multiple your, different ways <laughs> well your your boy nick can't he he had it all he had it wrong last week nick's a failure yeah yeah he's uh <laughs> he just set me up because he knows that uh, it uh frustrates me when people right off, right so that's funny and next up brought to you by michelin bicycle tires from the main event moto show and dcmx tools Toolman dan my boy What's up, guys? Hey, this is the A team right here. The I don't A care team. What anybody says this is it. <laughs> this will be the best Pulpa Mex wrap up show in history, right here tonight. Okay. You guys are going to witness it. Damn, I wish I'd known you were going to say that. I'd have the A team music queued up, you know, dun, 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 dun. Dark side. I shouldn't have to tell you. You should already know this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I failed too. 
All right, listen. Last week, Triple J, Triple J tried to influence the voting with a pair of fly racing Zone Pro goggles, Dan. We got a bunch of emails from listeners for their favorite segment, and I actually picked a winner. His name is Bryce DeHaan, which ha- he has not responded to my email yet. So if he doesn't respond, we'll have to pick another winner. I do need to make sure that everybody knows for this contest, you got to be inside the continental U.S. because shipping outside the States is insane right now. But anyway, hey, Toolman Dan... Um, you got anything that where you want to try to maybe bribe some of the listeners for the win? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I told Triple J, I said, you really screwed up by doing this giveaway because I'm <laughs> going to trump you big time. So what we're going to do is we're going to give away the listeners a DCMX and Tools Moto Box. So it'll be just, just a toolbox only, but we're going to do something a little special. I haven't done this yet, but we're going to do something a little special. We're going to have a custom wrap on the box, and it's going to be the limited edition moto pod toolbox so we're going to have we're going to have the main event moto logo on it we're going to have the pulp mx logo we'll have the moto limited show which that's uh trent and nick show even though i'm not sure we should put it on there because of nick but we're going to do it because (laughs) of trent uh, yeah you can't you can't uh yeah you can't punish trent for nick of of course we're going to put the pony pod logo on there for the the moto x pod show right Uh, uh, yeah i hope so and i'm going to leave this up to you dark side there's one more podcast. It's uh, the Moto Spot Show. Some dude named Triple J, Justin Jennings. If we can find room, I would be willing to put it on there as well. Oh, well, <laughs> how, how much room is inside the bottom drawer? Uh, enough for his logo. Okay, yep. perfect. Yep. perfect. Dude, this is awesome, Dan. I love this, man. Trent, what's up with that? Man, we're trying to trying to uh, get the win, but uh, again, I'm going against uh, my partner in crime, so I'm kind of a little split here for me whether I'm excited about this or not. I like to take the win, but uh, at the mercy of one of my best friends, I, I don't know. But I'll, t- I'll take hey. it. I will rub it in his face on our show, that's for sure. He'll, he'll get over it, Trent. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, Dan, <laughs> before we get into this wrap-up show, what what is the idea? What do they have to do to enter to win this thing? Yeah, so here's what you got to do. You got to email Steve. And is it Steve at PulpMX.com? Uh, do, do contact at PulpMXShow.com contact at pulpmxshow.com. You're going to email Steve and you're going to tell him that this was the best wrap-up show ever and tell him what your favorite part of tonight's show is. And then you're going to take a screenshot of that and you're going to DM that screenshot to Darkside. And then Darkside will pick a winner. Dude, I like it. I am definitely creating a fake email and entering. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, these this, this goggle winner and this wasn't in Bryce. Is, is that, is that the alias for dark side? Cause this toolbox and this, these goggles are going to show up in the same city you live in. Absolutely. It might be a different address, but it, it might be the same city. <laughs> yeah. You just never know, man. It's the luck of the draw. Yeah. Hey, Steve always tells me I'm ineligible, but actually I had this in my notes for later. I did win. He did send me the, um, manscaped lawnmower, the weed whacker and the ball wipes. So dude, that, I, that is on my list to talk about tonight. Like, okay. I mean, well, I, I, I'm pretty sure that you should probably uh, make sure your wrap-up guests for this week get one of those. I don't know if I how to do that, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's get this thing rolling. Uh, this week at show 469 with Cole Seeley in studio. Had a couple call-in guests, including Filthy Phil Nicoletti for the Motorsport check-in. Trey Kennard. Denny Stevenson was scheduled but didn't make it. Uh, apparently, he had a car accident. I think that was on Instagram. And if you guys stay tuned to the end of this show, we got a little bonus content. I called up Steve Mathis last night, talked to him about how that affects him and doing a show. 
uh, if it's ever happened before. So at the end of the show, get a little bonus content. So stick, stay tuned for uh, what you know, Denny Stevenson, Debo not showing, and uh, Steve talking about it a little bit. Uh, but we also had Eli Superfan Dylan and Chris Betts, which you know to me those guys are part of the show at this point. So um, yeah, so right off the, off the bat, Trent, what do you think of the show overall as a whole? Um, a lot of people, a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of people did not love the 30 minutes or so of Dylan versus Betts. Yeah, that that first 30 minutes was uh, was a lot. There was a lot going on, and I mean. Dylan has obviously been sitting back and just collecting his notes for the last uh, last 12 months uh, <laughs> in regards to Tomac and just been waiting for this moment. So he definitely came in hot uh, and had a list of stuff he was trying to get through. Uh, but it got to a point where I'm like, all right, now we're, we're getting past the point here. And uh, I found it funny when uh, Steely started just banging his head against the table <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. On, on YouTube. You could see that. And uh, yeah, I was just like, yeah, it was, it was a little long in the tooth, but it was just... Uh, the, the dynamic between Dylan and Betts is, is pretty epic, especially when some of the quotes Betts came out with at the end. But as a whole, did you was it a good show? Because like I said last week that it was sort of anticlimactic a little bit, but this show mm. I thought was had a lot of great stuff in it. Yeah, it had it had a lot going on, and uh, Cole Dilly being the first time he'd been in studio too, like you could see he was starting to warm up as he got through the night and started you know getting the swing of what was going on. At the start, he was kind of just sitting back and taking yeah. it all in. But then once he opened up, uh, it definitely became a, a lot of a lot of good content came out of this one. Absolutely, Dan. Uh, you know, some shows like I, Steve talks about this in the audio I recorded with him. Sometimes he'll have four or five call-in guests. Monday night, technically, there was really only two, unless you count Dylan and Chris. But a lot of filler content, a lot of general discussion. Do you have a preference of what you like better? Like whether it's let's break down. Uh, Christian Craig on the phone, let's break down your race, your season, or let's talk general stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it I, I like the call-ins. Yeah. Um, it, it's good to hear from riders. We do, we do not do call-ins on our show on the main event moto show. Um, just the way that we do things. Are we, you the host of that show? Cause I, I don't know anybody else that's involved with that. I, I do. I can't talk. I can't talk shit on my boy DB. I can't, I know Steve wants me to throw DB under the bus, but you know me, Dark. I am so loyal. Like, yeah, I, I, know. I, I would not sleep tonight, you know, doing that. But uh, yeah, no, I, I thought I thought the show was really good. Uh, I, I like the format of, of the call-ins. Uh, sometimes, you know, that when they do have four to five call-ins a night, you, you kind of get tired of hearing from people. Honestly, I kind of like the filler stuff. Um, I like some of the stories and, and whatnot that. Cole Seeley shared. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, we got a so, bunch of good stories from him, and I and we will get to that to some of those. So yeah, that's cool. I mean, I kind of think like I always like this. There's never been a show that I just don't like. Like, oh, this show sucks. So it could go either way. But I I think this Monday night show 469 was really good. It, it had enough call ins, had enough you know stuff that we hadn't heard about. Little hey. We got breaking news that maybe AP is sticking, you know, staying at Yamaha, right? We, we weren't expecting that. So um, a lot of good stuff out of that. But let's start with Dylan versus Betts. As I said, 24 to 30-something minutes long, I think it was, uh, depending on where you decide to start it. And Dylan has been missing for a while. I think everybody knows that. Everybody feels like, uh, well, because Eli hasn't been doing good, Dylan has just not been calling in. But I know Dylan somewhat personally. Like, I have texted him. I have had him 
do some stuff on here, et cetera, et cetera. The guy's been working nights. He hasn't really been able to call in. He even kind of mentioned that. I guess I could have probably called, but it's, it's you know, when you're at work, that's not easy to do all the time. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass on that. But when he called in, dude, he was fired up, full throttle, st- stuck wide open. But Dylan made a few good points, Trent. I mean, there were some things that he talked about, uh, you know, and some questionable things. But let's listen, and we'll talk about it for a moment. We all understand we're not in that period of where Eli is going to dominate the entire Nationals from start to finish, all 24 murders. So do you think nowhere. he's going to continue this? Okay, so that's a great question. I don't think this is going to be continued. Why do I not get the warm-up on, like, i got to come out guns blazing with this fucking jagaloon. Dylan and Betts have found common ground. It's, I don't, I'll retract my statement if we're on the same side of it. Let me fucking Brought up Adam, obviously. I think those two are very, very likable personalities in the sport. Yep. And I think it's really easy to, like, digest when they say something like that. Right. What did he do? Well, then he crashed. But Okay, but, but, but again, like you hold it against Jeffrey Hurlings when he crashes. It's a part of the sport staying up. That guy that is held up and loved by the, endured by the fans, guess what, people? He doesn't bring championships. You know who brought championships to that team? Eli Tomek. Adam will never, ever, ever bring an MX National Championship to that Monster Energy Kawasaki team, nor will he bring a Supercross Championship to that Monster Energy Kawasaki team. In the next three years, AC will have no championships in the 450 class. How's that? Like in three years, they should be in the big league. I'll put hundred k on it. <laughs> Dylan, yes, you just sir. said you just said yes, that sir. James should have done more, he should and, have. and you he penalized him for that. But guess yep. what? I so did. should Eli Tomac. He should have won those championships, he, he and, he, and he couldn't. He have, have, and he and couldn't pull it. Up. He couldn't make it happen. That's, that's any anything to add to this. I, I just. I, I don't. I don't. I got nothing. Like what's going the on right now? It's hard to. It's hard to convince Dylan of of. I just. Oh I just, my god. All right, Trent. I'm going to go to you first because we both know that Toolman Dan is on par with Dylan as far as being a super fan of AC and Kawasaki and almost Eli too. So I'm going to go to you first, Trent. I, first of all, I loved when they when he went to bets at the end. He was just I I I I, I he he couldn't even he was speechless. Right? It was great. But what about the points he made? That he made a number of points about. Um, being hypocritical. He made some hypocritical points, and then Steve called him out on being hypocritical, but I don't totally disagree with him when he says things like, hey, a guy like AC or a guy like Zach or a guy like Kenny can do something, and you guys are like, oh, no big deal, but then certain guys, you're like, oh, they're they're terrible or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go to Dan, but I'm also a huge AC non-fit. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> not, not like Toolman Dan, though. No, but I was definitely shaking my head at some of those comments, especially at the end about not winning a championship. But, you know, he did have some valid points, but at the same time, I think Eli has, and as Steve has said on the show, he goes, when we when he is good, we give him the praise that he deserves. But when he's off, we say that he's off and why is he off and what's the situation? And as the media, they're trying to get to the bottom of it. But, uh, yeah, he definitely just come in hot with, a lot of information, a lot of takes, and I think it's one point there. He just started talking over everyone and just wouldn't let anybody else speak until everyone heard every single point he had written down. But uh, some of it, he he was okay, but he did contradict himself in the end where he started coming around on certain topics. And then, as I said, the conversation then started getting a little lost because he went back on some things, and I was just like, 
come and do either stick to your point or yeah, get out. Yeah, and I want to say like first, I mean, he I, I like Dylan. He's he's a passionate fan. A lot of people have messaged me today or I've seen on Discord or wherever, like people really hating on him. And, you know, I get it because I get some of that too. Like there's those people out there that hate on Dark Side, but he's a passionate fan. He's a little out there, Dan, on some things. But I, I, I love the fact that he's, he's standing by what he feels. Even if he's out there, he, he at least he loves his guy. I mean, here's the thing about Dylan. I, I appreciate the dude's passion like 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 you wouldn't believe. I think that, that the passion is awesome. I have the same passion. I'm not quite as animated, if you will, about it. Um, but I, I personally do his he, – he's like nails on a chalkboard to me. He's just too much. Like there's just too much Dylan. It's like over and over and over. However, a lot of what he said I don't disagree with. I mean, he he is right on a lot of different uh, on a lot of different aspects of, of the conversation that he had with Betts. But I will tell you where he's wrong. He is absolutely wrong saying that AC is not going to win a title in the next three years for Monster Cowie. I mean, that's that is ludicrous. Uh, you oh. gotta you gotta think that AC is going to figure this out and that he he's already arguably has the most speed in the class. If you could just clean up, staying off the ground, and get this little arm pump issue figured out. He's going to win races and he's going to win a title. So I don't, I don't believe that. Yeah. I think but he's, the, I, I think he's ludicrous that he's a hundred percent sure it's not going to happen, Correct. but it, it's possible that it doesn't happen. I mean, when you guys, you know, I mean, there's still a lot of good guys out there, but I think his being so adamant that it's not going to happen is definitely a way he's yes. wrong. And the other thing was, you know, when he was talking about, when he was talking about Eli, you know, that we, we don't criticize Zach and we don't criticize AC when, when they're, you know, have arm pump or back issues or whatever. We don't, because you know what? They're transparent. They come out and say, Hey, you know what? I I'm getting arm pump. I can't hang on. And I've dropped anchor, you know, halfway through the moto. They're very transparent about it. So we know what to expect, right? Eli doesn't say anything ever. So when he's out there winning race after race and title after title, and then all of a sudden he's on one end of the spectrum, winning races and titles, to barely being able to top ten, and he doesn't explain what's going on. He just says, "I don't know." I mean, come on, he he knows something's got to be happening, whether he has an injury or something's bugging him, or I'll be the first one to tell you I don't think it's the bike. But when you don't give us anything, that's what people we come to the conclusion: what the hell is wrong with Eli Tomac? And then again, and then second moto this weekend, he goes out and kills it, you know, and it's like, people have asked me, do you think he's going to, you know, do you think he's going to continue this? Like, what's your feeling? And I said, honestly, I don't know. I got to see it again. Like, I'm not going (laughs) to sit there and tell you that Eli Tomac is fixed. I don't have the confidence. Yeah. Well, at least in the beginning, Dylan said like, no, I don't think. He, he's going to go back to winning all the time. Like this, you know, so he's a little bit, he's not being completely out there with his thoughts on Eli, but, um, he, you know, again, and his Mount Rushmore picks, you know, kind of blew people away, <laughs> but damn it. I mean, it's, it's your Mount Rushmore, right? If I want to put freaking Kyle Chisholm on my Mount Rushmore, that's what I'm going to do because Chiz is my guy. So whatever, man, I don't, you know, the fact that he didn't think McGrath belonged Whatever, dude. That's his opinion. I, I don't. I don't. Hey, who Who is your Mount Rushmore, Dark Side? Oh, Jesus. Um, 
the same. It's the same as uh, Dylan's. That's it. No, um, <laughs> dude. It's all, okay. I'd go if it was me. I'd go McGrath, RC, RJ, uh, Geyser. I don't know. Not nah, uh, probably not Geyser yet. Let's go Caroli. I like Caroli. Okay, but the, I don't know. It's 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 so subjective. I mean. If you're going to go with the championships and the numbers, even that's somewhat subjective. So, I don't, I don't really have a problem with him in that. Um, he was very upset, Trent, and he brought this up a couple times that JT had said Eli sucks, um, and yeah. I, I heard that on last week's High Point review. So I pulled that so everybody can listen to it, and um, you guys kind of get your own opinion. The first moto, he just got he got the whole shot, and then just started going back. Yeah, he sucked. Like, I mean, for, for lack of a better word, yeah. I understand. Don't don't yep. insert my riding into this. I'm saying us as spectators, analysts watching, for his capability, he sucked, right? And you don't know why. You can't figure it out. Doesn't make any sense. And then the second moto, an hour later, he goes out there and just smashes everybody. Like, yep. doesn't make any sense to me. It's all mental. All right, so Trent, to me, when I heard that. Like I didn't take any offense to that. He could have said because he's not saying Eli Tomac sucks. He's saying for what he's capable of, for what we've seen in the last few years, what we expect out of him, what the team expects out of him, it sucks. It's not you know they expect a win at maybe a podium at worst, and he's not even close. And I don't think yeah I don't take it at all the way Dylan took it. Yeah, I mean, uh, JT said it, said it for a lack of a better word, which means he didn't have the right, you know, the right word to put there, and he just went with suck. And and I, yeah, I don't take offense to it either. Like as as media, as JT and and Mathis and you know Weege at a point too, as media, we're trying to figure out what is going on, and people are looking to the big media outlets of what's happening with Eli Tomac, and they've got no answers. So all they can say is what they're visually seeing, and as you know, then the super fans like Dylan do hang on to certain words that come out of people's mouths. And, and as you know, Darkside, when you're you know, on a conversation, words just start coming out of your mouth that you have no control over. And then one person hangs on to one word that you probably should have said differently. And uh, I think that's what Dylan's done there. And you know, JT at, at no point, you know, would verbally go up to Tomac and say, you suck. Like he would never say that. It's just when he was in that heat of the conversation, that word fell out of his mouth, and he did follow up with "for a lack of better words." So, yeah, I think exactly. it's just Dylan, Dylan hanging on to that one word and and really pushing it home. Yeah, I think so. And uh, one other thing that I have here that Dylan said that I just sort of found somewhat humorous, and it might be worse a uh, uh, wrap up conversation because I think everybody in studio on the phone thought he was ridiculous. Was this right here? Adam won a two fifty motocross championship. He pre- no, 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 no. I don't. I don't like little bites. I don't. I, oh, I but I'm just saying. Like, oh, we, we like oh we like grown up stuff. Oh I think that class should not be mentioned when comparing statistics to the four fifty. All right, uh, Toolman Dan. Um, you know we've we've sort of heard this before, right? Steve says, "Hey, you know, regional championships aren't that important. They don't mean anything." I mean, really, was Dylan saying anything? Anything else? Anything other than that? Basically. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with them. You know, it's uh, when you're talking championships and titles, you know, you're always really thinking about, you know, the, the premier class, the 450 class, you know, but that does not discredit some of these guys that have multiple regional titles. I mean, you win a regional title, you're still a bad dude, yeah. you know, so um, I, I don't really take it as a negative, you know. 
Yeah, Trent, I don't know. I don't feel near as strongly as Dylan did in that audio, but I do agree with what when Steve says it, it's a regional, right? If it was a everybody raced all the rounds in the 250 class, it would hold a lot more weight. It would matter a lot more. But it still matters to me, even though it is a regional, quote-unquote. It's still very important. It's still very impressive. So I, I'm sort of waffling on how I feel about what um, Dylan said. Yeah, but I mean, Dylan was a little... Uh, I mean, the conversation isn't about regional titles. It's about Addison's really winning a motocross title. And I think we can all go out and say that if you win a motocross 250 title, you're an even better dude because that is all of the best 250 riders in the class battling it out one championship over the 24 motos so uh you know the, where you're sitting on the fence there i think you've got to look at it as he was talking about motocross he's discrediting ac's motocross title not a uh, regional supercross title well, that's true as yeah. steve said good point as steve said he goes i'm this is a motocross title it's all the best dude so it, it is a, a legit title to be talking about and you know that's that's what i think it's where he is wrong. You can't discredit a motocross title. Yeah, the supercross title, as Steve said, half the field on factory bikes, it doesn't, not, doesn't count, but it's not as, as elusive as a motocross title. So, uh, Good point. Good point. Way to, way to make me look dumb there, Trent. Well, but what happens is is over <laughs> here, uh, you know, it's supercross is so big in America yeah. that it, that outdoor motocross, and I hate saying this and it sucks, but outdoor motocross is kind of in the shadows to supercross here so when you're talking about dirt bike racing we all think of supercross and you know right or wrong right dark yeah. side of oh yeah 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 accurate yeah yeah I, I think it's we do and it's unfortunate but you're right hey look sticking with the eli conversation that we were on uh, a little bit ago mathis thinks the story of the year so far is or you know of, of outdoors so far is the eli tomac stuff i think the story is eli tomac I've never seen Eli Tomac this bad to start the Nationals. It was no. um, Lakewood was – I didn't know what was going on out there. I thought it was me out ride, there riding. Then he – first moto, six, like whatever. Plessinger passed, caught him, passed him, dropped him. He flipped the switch in yeah. moto two. It's, it's weird to me because, yeah, you, you always go into the outdoors knowing like, oh, no, no matter what he does in Supercross, he's always going to be there in outdoors yep. every year. Yep. It's weird because obviously he's, he's had something going on, but – in, in another sense, he looked like old Eli yeah. at least at least ninety ninety five percent of the time yeah. during that second moto. Is is he fixed? Is this what? In literally in the course of one hour, yeah. he went from sixth to first. Are, is he back? Like what, what's going? What do you think? I don't know. Like my best guess is obviously we've heard him switching next year. I don't yep. know. Like whatever that yep. could, maybe he's not as motivated to like work with that team. You know, maybe he's trying to blame it on the bike a little bit more than he okay. usually does, or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, what we're, we're bench dynamic, racing. Yeah, right. I don't know what the dynamic is there, um, but that could be my only guess. Maybe he's been fighting a sickness. I don't know, but he yeah. hasn't been normal, no. Eli. No. Uh, all right, Dan, I'm gonna give you this one first. Uh, I've, I've kind of said over some of these last few wrap up shows, like I'm kind of tired of hearing about the Kenny issues, the Eli issues, the Cooper Webb. Uh, you know, mentally effing down Kenny or whatever, like the same the same major topics over and over every week. But now it's changed, right? After his second race, his second moto at High Point, it's changed. I kind of, I, I definitely can't figure it out either. What are your thoughts on what they had to say? Yeah, I, I you know, it, it's hard to say honestly because we ex- we kind of expect this, right? We we expect it, and we don't expect it. 
I think we all expect that at some point Eli was going to get it figured out or is is going to get it figured out and win races. I don't think we went into this season saying that, you know, Eli would never win a, a moto or, or not even be up there. I think that we are all surprised he's barely a top 10 guy and then all of a sudden, you know, wins a moto. But um, it just seems like, man, there's I'm with you, Dark Side. There's there's way more stuff that we could talk about, it, you know, besides the issues with Kenny and you know, where's Cooper Webb and why is Eli? I mean, there's so many other things that we could talk about, but it's like these same things that we keep drilling and drilling in. And I, and I get this, this Eli one is a big one because based off historical data and, and wins and titles, he's expected to be a podium slash winner in this class. And he's not even nowhere near there. Right. Uh, Trent, any, uh, any thoughts on what they had to say about Eli and, do you think? Well, hang on. Back to you, Dan. Do you think the the flip, the light is switch is flipped? Are we going to see more of Moto Two High Point out of Eli more consistently? I don't think so. Okay, I mean that's just my opinion. Yeah. All right, Trent. Um, same thing to you. I mean, as a Kawasaki guy, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> he he was he, that was vintage Eli though, as as was discussed on the show, like. It looked like the, the 17, 18, 19 Eli of old and the way he went past Adam and then just started dropping the hammer. Like, we haven't seen that in a, in a year and a half now. And to see it back, whether it stays is going to be what we have to watch over the next uh, you know, few races and see if it's there. We're coming into some tracks where he's a little bit more comfortable with and stuff like that. And he's had a lot of success. So, I don't know. I hope so. But, I mean, track record so far you know last year he pulled out a win and that but he was still just sort of not the old Eli so let's see what we get at uh, Redbud in a couple of weeks yeah I'm looking forward to that um okay so Dan you are friends you know Andy Gregg at Guts Racing I assume you're running Guts seat covers on your 27 Kawasaki's I only got three, four, four dark side but yes yeah I do have some I only have three four, four. Oh, no wait five <laughs> five six but you do run Gus no. Racing. That's 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 perfect because Gus Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers of foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Gus Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com. For info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Thanks, uh, Andy Gregg. He is a bad dude in a sprint car. I love that dude. He is. He gets it, man. Yeah. Um, okay, and I, I mentioned that I wanted to thank Steve for the Manscaped lawnmower. Dan, you said you still had a couple thoughts or something on that? I feel bad for tits. Yeah, I want one. No, I want one of those. That that I don't know about – I I mean – the ball wipe thing is is I mean I guess it definitely could come in handy but yeah the manscaper man I I'm a I'm a hairy individual unfortunately yeah. I, I didn't I didn't get blessed uh, being hairless but uh, yeah one of those would be bitching yeah you need to you probably need to shave your I wish I had the key for drop crotchal region so you can show yeah. off your number nine tattoo put it this way I've got hair on my on my body except on the top of my head that's where I'm laughing. <laughs> Uh, Trent, I, I do feel a little bit bad for tits and, uh, you know, Steve was saying, Hey, you know, we did a Twitter poll. You lost. Of course, tits response was people are idiots, so, <laughs> but Hey, you can use uh, dad, you can use pulp code pulp MX at manscape.com and get you one. I'm going to do that right now. That's um, sh- All right. I appreciate it. 
Uh, okay, guys. So Cole Seeley, we talked about it first time in studio. Trent, thoughts on him as a guest? Like I kind of brought up when I called in, like it was funny that he didn't know what some of the drops meant, but he pretty quickly seemed to get really comfortable. And in the by the end of the show, I, I thought he was fantastic. Like he's a great guest. Yeah, as I said up off the top of this, you know, he was very sort of sitting back and just sort of seeing how everything went and was just sort of, you know, and then again, having Betts and Dylan straight up sort of, I guess, threw him in the deep end. But once he sort of got into the show and started figuring out what things were and then when those noises, which are the drops coming in, he knew what they actually were, not just sounds popping up in his earphones and stuff like that. So you could see that he was starting to get the groove on. And, you know, Cole's a, Cole's a good dude. He's had a, you know, he's been in the sport a long time. He sort of, he started not as a, a factory rider, as an amateur. He worked his way into his factory ride. So he has, I think he has the perspective of both sides of the mm-hmm. coin there where he was, you know, given the from the top level, but also giving it as someone who had to come through the, the hard knocks. So a lot of his stories and a lot of the, the, you know, thoughts he had on these things, you know, were very, very calculated. And he's a very smart individual. Yeah, and uh, uh, told my dad, do you think, Steve kind of jokingly, I guess jokingly, maybe he's serious, Talked about bringing Cole back with JB Tents at some point. Um, that would be a good co- dual co-host. And, you know, he kind of joked about who would be the fastest duo between them two and RV and Weimer. So what do you think about him coming back with JB? And just in your opinion, what would be the faster of the two duos? Yeah, I think uh, I think that would be a, a really cool duo uh, to bring those two guys back in. Yep. Um, just to kind of touch, touch base on, you know, Cole, when he came on, I actually talked to Daniel Monday morning and, and he said, man, I'm pumped for Cole Seeley tonight on the Pope show. And I'm like, really? You know? And he's like, yeah, he's, he's going to be really good. And it was like kind of when Weimer was on the, for the first time, I was like, man, I don't know how good Jake Weimer is going to be, honestly. And he, and he kills it. I had the same feeling about Cole. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure how Cole's going to be, but he freaking killed it. He, he was an awesome guest. But uh, if, if I had to pick a duo between Weimer RV and, Cole and, and JB10, uh, I'm going to have to go with RV and Weimer for sure. I think so too. Trent, you got you, who you got? Yeah, uh, well, I'll play devil, devil's advocate here and I'll go uh, JB10 and, <laughs> okay. and Steely. So, I mean, you know, style and talent wise, those guys are, have got it as well. Um, you know, as, as Steve alluded to a lot, the way Cole rode a motorcycle was, you know, looked effortless at points and. Um, you know, we've had JB10 down here in Australia a lot, so we're all sort of big JB10 fans down here for right being on. out of the team. So I'm going to go that way. Just okay. To, just to be different. All right. As I mentioned, uh, Denny Stevenson, Debo, was supposed to be on. Uh, he didn't make it. So Steve had some other topics to bring up, and they dis- they started to discuss um, 250 championship. Steve asked Cole who he's picking. Here's what we got. What are you thinking? Cooper's got the experience. But great radio. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> but does. Lawrence, but Lawrence, like looks like he looks like seasoned, even though he's not. Which Lawrence Cole? Jet Lawrence. Okay, man, know, of I'm course. Kidding. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna pick Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? He does. He he rides mature, right? He yeah, rides he does. With maturity that you don't really normally. Like see. every time you think he, he a little bit in Supercross, there's a little bit of like stuffing and like yep. brake checking going on. But yep. like in outdoors, he like he figures it out as he goes. Like. You look at him, or you know that race with uh, Anaheim with Ferrandez, where he went down with like a lap to go or whatever, and you think, oh, he's a crasher, he's a kid, but he's really not. He's really not that way. No. That one was a big one for sure. Yeah. But generally speaking, he holds it together pretty well. No, he does you know? for sure. Um, I like Cooper just because of what I said: the starts, the bike, the experience. Yeah. I like Justin Cooper to 
maybe go two two more often and take wins. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, he, it so. is hard to bet against that that star Yamaha too. Uh, okay, Trent. So first to you. What I want to bring up from this conversation they had is I I'm not totally out on the fact that like Hunter Lawrence can't get back in this thing. He's 42 points down, I believe. Uh, and Jalik's 44 points. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but man, one bad moto for those other guys, and they can make up half those points. So I'm not set on just Justin Cooper and just Jet Reynolds just yet. No, I mean, ultimately, Hunter is still in this mathematically. It is a big deficit, but as you said, Dustin, it does take one one incident from one of the top guys, and Hunter's back in this as well. But at the moment, those two... Um, are trading sort of wins and positions and one point here, one point there. So they're the ones battling for this championship at the moment. And I really, I mean, as a, again, as an Australian, listening to what Steve had to say about Jet, and he's not really a crasher. He really isn't. He's just, you know, the, what we've seen from him so far in Supercross is uh, inexperienced. Look, we have not a very big Supercross season down here or a championship at all. Um, and he never rode it as an amateur. So he's learning very, very quickly, and that's where I think those mistakes have come from. Mm -hmm. Outdoors, those two, Hunter and Jet, are absolute beasts outdoor, and and, uh, with the the guidance of their old man, Darren, he is just so smart of an individual around dirt bikes. I'm I'm going with Jet, but uh, Hunter's not out of it, but he's got to have some things go his way, I feel. All right. uh, How about you, Toolman Dan? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think Hunter's out of this. You know, you take out those two crashes. He got two really good starts and just had two unfortunate crashes. Um, I don't think he's out of it at all. You know, and, and Hunter has proven that he can come from the back forward. And I think, when, you know, when you have the ability to do that, I think you could be dangerous. And I think that's honestly where where Justin Cooper lacks a little bit is is the ability to come from way back to the front. I think he struggles a little bit with that where, where Hunter and jet have the ability to kind of, to flip the switch and move forward quick. And, um, I, with you hundred percent, I, I don't think that Hunter is out of this, but like what Cole said, you know, jet rides so seasoned, uh, he makes it look effortless, man. I, I gotta think he's going to play the long game on this. And he said it on the podium, man, if, if second is, is a bad day. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and that's a good point. If he keeps that mentality, he's going to win this title, no doubt. Okay, uh, Dan, let me ask you this, man. You've been part of the main event moto show, like just a a uh, part time kind of guest for a few years. Now you're basically one of the main guys. You're in, involved. Um, you have not been in Pulp Studio yet, correct? I have not. Nope. So, but so over the last few years. Pulpamex has upped their game, mainly because of Travis Marks. He's the reason the show is as successful as it is. Uh, they've brought in the cameras, YouTube Live, um, Facebook Live, etc. How impressed are you with the, where the show's come from in, say, the last two or three years compared to where it was before Travis Marks? Oh, it's, it's incredible. Travis has done a, a really good job, you know, from you know, from the Pulpamex app, creating the app. And, you know, I know he was heavily involved in developing the fantasy, uh, fantasy series. You know, the video is awesome. I mean, it, he really, Travis has really taken the show to a new level. And, you know, it's funny too, is you go back to listen to, uh, old Pulpamex shows, you know, pre-Travis, but, you know, back when Steve just started 
and Steve gets better every year. Oh, you know, yeah, you're yeah. just listening to him and you wouldn't think, you know, you think Steve Mathis, he's, you know, like the icon and, and moto, you know, pods and media, but you would think that, you know, he's man, he's always so good, but man, he just keeps improving as well. So, um, yeah, it's come a long way. The video, the, the YouTube with the video is awesome. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people watch that and it's, you kind of think to yourself, man, why, why would somebody want to watch just, you know, a podcast, but it, it's weird how engaging you get with it, sitting there watching it. It's, well, yeah. it, it kind of just takes it to a new level. Uh, yeah. First thing, before I respond to that, I want to say is Trent, that the fact that Steve does keep getting better. If you go back and listen to old shows really gives the three of us a lot of hope, right? That we can all get better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> he he's as you know, we all look up to Steve in a massive way. Uh, but then, yeah, you do go back and you listen, and he gets better. And, and even as Dan said, a year ago, go to, go back twelve months ago, and he's even better than that again. Like he just continues to to improve on himself. And yeah. that, I mean, that, that's a sign of someone who's still very passionate about what he does, and if he keeps improving, um, show after show. Yeah, and Dan, going back to what you just said, so um, I was listening or watching on uh, YouTube, like I generally do. And I want to say at some point when I was looking, it was like 1,500 plus people were watching live. You have to assume that there's probably close to that on Facebook also. Um, sure. And when you're watching live, I've said many times on here before that like you get a different experience. You, you see the reactions or maybe you see Pookie walk through in the back or whatever. But in the last few weeks, like Travis has started putting like little carrots going, you know, <laughs> throwing back to the carrot fucker uh, comment. And he'll put carrots like on Phil on the – flat fill in the background or on Steve's head. Or at one point there was like a little picture of a cat up in the upper right corner just for a second and it disappeared. And I was like, dude, I texted him like, what are you doing? He's, oh, you know, I just put random things in there just for fun, seeing what people catch. So yeah. And then you got the chat room going where you can socialize with other pulp fans and you know, you, you sort of become friends with them almost like, you know, I've noticed in times when, I can't listen live right away. I'll pop in and there'll be messages from the back. Like where's dark side at, or where's whoever, you know, where's so-and-so at. And it's just an addition. It's awesome, dude. It's just, it's going to take over the world one day. Anyway, the cool thing that I liked is with, when Steve said, you know, uh, he was asked, you know, if he won the lottery, would he still do the show? And he said, yes, you know, that, that just shows passion, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All this, all the talk about, Oh, I'm going to retire before Evan Ferry goes pro is BS. He loves this. he ain't going nowhere. No, he'll it's some someday we'll see him out there on like a little um like one of those little old man scooters or whatever, you know, with <laughs> yeah, just putting around and yeah, he'll he'll have his uh, who knows what he'll, he'll just be an old man out there and we'll, we'll, well, I'm the same age, so I can't really make fun. Um anyway, moving on. They also they got into the 450 talk. Steve asked asked Cole, you know, who else do you think will win? 450 class Seely for you. Uh, Ferrandis and Dylan have won so far. Ferrandis and Roxon. <laughs> okay. AC's going to win one, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm, I'm talking overall. Right? Overall, AC, yeah. yeah. AC's going to win one, right? Do you think Sexton wins one? Yes. So now we're four. Yep. Do you think uh, AP can win one? I think AP's got a moto win in him. Okay. In overall. Yep. Maybe if he gets lucky and that moto right. wins the second moto. Do you think Eli Tomac wins the uh, uh, yes. overall? Who do you like for the title? We're early, and we're not going to hold this to you, but who do you like for the title? I want to say Kenny because he's got the experience. He's won titles in the past. Yep, right. And also, Fernandez doesn't have that. Well, he has has won titles, but yep. he not in the 450 class. Yep. But he looks so solid, it's hard to bet against him. Mine. Is it wrong 
and look, I like Kenny. He's an awesome dude. Yeah. Uh, is it wrong to have some reservations about Kenny as we get more hot and humid as we go on, physical wise? We just had a break. They were in. They were probably in Florida during the break. Yeah, they're in Florida right now. Yeah, so they're getting used to it. Yep. So I think there. It's kind of. It's. It's definitely. That's an advantage for Kenny. Like being yeah. there. Yep. Um, having weekend off, being there, racing, having a weekend off, like being so you're in not, Florida. So you you wouldn't be as worried as I am, just no, because we've just seen him dra- be drained. We've seen ups and downs from him, right? We, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I'm I've been in, like really impressed with him. Yeah. Because like oh, the yeah. end of Supercross, I was like, what the heck is yeah. going on? Clearly got the speed, and I think that comes with confidence. Came with yeah, you know, the confidence. Yep. Right. Webb and Marvin. Webb's won one 450 motocross national yeah. in his life. Uh, Marvin's won a bunch. Do yeah. either one of those get a win? Age is a little bit a factor, I think. Oh, do you have either one of them winning a national this year? No. The I think that this season, relative to all the other twelve round seasons we've seen, whoever wins, it, compared to the past winners, yeah. is going to have a really low score, like of total points. Uh, Dan. So both of them seem to think there's going to be a what four, maybe five more winners coming on. Uh, AC Sexton, Eli possibly AP, but he's, you know, um, so four, do you agree? Do you think that's likely? Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think they're dead on. Um, the only one that I, that I question a little bit, this is going to sound crazy is Sexton. I, I think he can do it. I just don't know how likely he will be able to, to do that. What, for what reason? Um, it just seems like, it just seems like he has trouble putting, two solid motos together. It seems like there's always something that happens. You know, he's, he's, he's definitely gotten better this year, but it's, I just, I guess, I guess for me, I got to see it first and then, and then I'll believe he's incredibly fast. That's like a mirror image though, almost of your boy AC. Yeah, but AC's we he's been proven to win motos. Here we go with our hypocritical stuff, right? (laughs) 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 But AC's different, damn it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Trent, how about you, man? Do you, uh, you feel, do you feel like there's anybody else that could get in there that you would see, or maybe take one of those guys out? I mean, probably not take one of those guys out. Um, kind of with Dan there a little on Sexton, but you've got to think that these KDM guys have got to figure it out here soon too, either Webb or Marv. I mean, one of them have got to figure out something or just have some, some luck going their way uh, with a good start and they could pull one of these off. They're not, not capable of doing that. I just, yeah, I, I completely writing them off at round number three. I think it's a, yeah, it's still know, early. A bit rough. Yeah, it's a bit rough. But I mean, surely one of those KDM guys has got to figure it out as well. I think so. We saw Eli figure it out for one moto. I believe Cooper's going to figure it out at some point too. So, um, and actually, I I have Ferrandis winning the championship. That's that's who I'm going with. But uh, Trent, I want to stick with something that Steve said or asked. Is it wrong to have reservations about Kenny? I think not. I think I, I still, I still go. I don't think he's playing possum, as Nick asked in the in the press conference, <laughs> and you know Kiefer talked about. I don't think it's possum just yet. But I, I uh, man, I'm, I'm not sold a hundred percent on Kenny just yet. No, I, I, neither am I. Uh, you know, it, he is good outdoors. He's you know, former world champion. We know he's more suited to the outdoor arena, but. We just know those issues that have been lingering for for the last you know two years, three years that that he's been back from these arm injuries. Um, I, the mental stuff I think is not going to be affected like it was in Supercross that we've discussed over and over. 
but it's just going to be that heat and humidity and how he can recover between Moto1 and Moto2 when it is really, really hot. I think that's the question we're all asking and the reservations there, I think, are, are valid. We we do just got to wait and see. And then I think after we see if he can do it, I think we'll see a lot more people on the 94 for the championship. All right, fair enough. Um, hey, I want to jump back to Chris Betts for a minute. Every time he's on, guys, he has – and he's also a polarizing guy. Some people can't stand him. But for the most part, I think people really like him. He has always has funny sayings or whatever because he doesn't completely know our sport. I love Toolman Dan, the fact that he told the story of, like, he asked his, the, the Ray's trainer or doctor, like, hey, sh- do you think we did the right thing with my finger? Like, these guys, <laughs> these moto guys are reaching out to me, and they're saying that maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like, that is that is fucking awesome. Dude, that was funny. And, and then, uh, you know, Steve reaching out to somebody. At, at, the beat uh, rider, yeah. You know, the race God, beat rider. Yeah. It's so funny. He, Chris Betts is a character, um, you know, and I, I mean, he, he's an AC lover like me, so I, I can't hate on the guy. <laughs> yeah, you guys are all nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Trent, about Betts? And, you know, every time he's on, the, the story, like I said, with the raised doctor, it's just every time he's on, he has something like that. Yeah, I'm a big Chris, Chris Betts fan. I, one of my notes I wrote down after I sent you mine was, we need more Chris Betts. Like, okay. he's just... His different look on the sport is what I enjoy. And, and asking those really oddball questions, it's like, it's refreshing to sit back and listen to him ask that and somebody that doesn't completely know the sport gets to ask those and have someone like Steve break it down for him or yeah. I, I make fun of him a little bit. But some of his quotes and his sayings and, uh, yeah, him asking the doctor about whether his <laughs> finger was the right deal because he got you know, blown out by the, the Moto fans. Yeah. He, he loves it. It's, he it's does. Awesome. He does. Hey, uh, Trent, when when you're a ride, you're a a rider over there in Australia. Generally, are the track conditions dusty, muddy? What's it like over there? Easy on the a rider stuff. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? You were you were a, a former pro rider, correct? I uh, was, yes. But, uh, All right. Yeah, no, we not- we get we get a mixture of tracks. As you you know, we get uh, some really hard baked ones, and then we do have some that they rip really really deep, and we get some really nasty ruts. So you know. Tracks are a little smaller over here. We don't have the big circuits like you guys have over there, but track conditions, we, we get a variant like what we see. You know, America's big influence on Australian moto, so we, we do copy a lot of stuff. Well, that's awesome. Muddy or dusty, you need Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their Zip-On Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. Check out their full line of motor products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers, the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. How's that for a read, Steve? That was actually really <laughs> Make it good organic. Dark side. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> hey make it organic yeah yeah I, i'm working on it man hey and don't forget <laughs> steve mentioned this sean brennan from uh felds reached out that go to espn.com and vote for cooper webb for an SB. it's not quite as cool as a pulpy but it's pretty badass so i don't know if that's something you can vote on every day i'm going to find out but espn.com vote for cooper webb let's get him an, an SB. 
Uh, any any exposure we can give our guys outside of our support is a win. So totally agree. Uh, yep. All right, now I want to touch on this week's Race Tech rant. Use pulp code pulp twenty one at Race Tech to save. Let's listen to Coles. If I had to pick one thing about outdoors so far, would be like the inconsistency in the um, track grooming. I think like okay. Colorado was way too smooth. I thought okay, and then I thought like. High point was a little like having known it was going to rain was a little bit more till then. I don't know. Like, I think like Colorado was one of those rounds that I remember like my first couple years. I was mm-hmm. like, I can't wait to get to this track because it's yeah. always a smoother one. Right. And then like getting there every year and be like, damn it, it's not smooth this year. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. But I remember coming to that section and like you pick a rut and you're not getting out of it until the next jump. Right. So like, and your feet are off and yeah. you just, yeah. And this year I was like, eh, it's like it kind of like dulled the racing a little bit for me. Right. Like, see, I liked it. They were able to go anywhere they wanted to. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather see it deep and like having to pick. But you just said you didn't like it when you raced it. Oh yeah, as a racer, it sucks. Oh. <laughs> but, but watching it, it's but watching yeah, it, yeah. it, it okay. evens the playing field. Yeah, a yeah. Bit. I like it better where you can come in and it's not just pick a rut and hopefully the rut's good and then when that one's gone, you got to go the, to the next one to the left or et cetera, yeah. et cetera. You know what I mean? That's all. I thought the race, I thought the prep, the last two races has been really, really good. Dan, not not the strongest rant, but I'm going to give. Cole a little bit of a break because I'm sure he didn't know what the rants that you know it's usually pretty aggressive although he did know that Steve rants about tough blocks but um not a terrible rant like I, I like his perspective of like well I didn't like this when I was racing but I really like it as a spectator yeah it was it was a it was a good perspective for sure I mean uh if you look at it as a spectator goes I think the racing has been awesome I yeah mean, we've talked dude, about this on the fantastic yeah, when you have the ability to go anywhere on the track and square up corners and, you know, make, kind of make your own lines because you're not stuck in a rut, it creates so much more passing opportunity. It creates so much more excitement. And it's the racing is much, much better. I don't I don't care what anybody says. The racing so far, and even at Paul, I think the racing was really good. Has, overall, so far, it's been awesome. And I, and I hope that these other track venues are taking note and I, and I believe they are uh based off some meetings that i've heard that have taken place um not to rip them so deep and not to overwater them i mean o- overwatering is really what creates all these these gnarly deep ruts but and that's why they didn't overwater because they were anticipating some rain the last yep, two rounds yep. so man take that formula and run with it because it's awesome i think so trent well i i, you, I have to assume you agree right i mean We've seen really fantastic racing lately. Paula pretty well sucked, in my opinion. Um, like, yeah, it's not that hard to figure out. You can take the take the formula, like Dan just said, when you have a good race, and let's run with it. Yeah, hundred percent. You, you know, the racing we've had so far has been epic. You know, we've had a lot of different winners and guys running at the front, and and the guys we expect not running at the front because the tracks have been a little bit different. So when Cole said it, even the playing field, I feel when it was deeper, I feel it's probably. You can go a little bit backwards to that. I think where the tracks have been is even the playing field more because we've seen such variance in scores. Like, since when have you seen a five-one end up third on the on the podium? You know, like mm-hmm. just things like that. Where I think it's even the playing field where it's not as as Steve puts slot cross or whatever he calls it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's not that it, the riders get to open up the corners and and do it. So. Uh, yeah, when when Cole started on that red, I was a, a little against him on that one, and I was kind of glad Steve pulled it around at the end there and said, but the racing has been good. So I Definitely, like that. definitely. Well, Steve also had a, a, a somewhat of a weak rant. Here we go. 
I could go the flagging. The flagging's atrocious, but this is like year forty of the flagging being atrocious. Like yeah. what? Like whatever. Like it is what it is. I don't. I'm not too hard on the flagging ever because like who wants to really flag? That's a shitty job. Yeah. It's hard to really come down on the. Let's go do it next weekend. Do you want it? Yeah. You want to do, do flagging? <laughs> who flagged better? I, I I think I'd be a great job at flagging. Uh yeah so yeah definitely flagging Trent is super important right we we saw at Lakewood like two years ago. Uh, where Nick Way had to jump out on the track because he's trying to not let somebody die. Like the flagging is definitely an issue. Uh, there was I was you know obviously watching the, watching the race at High Point and like there was a little kid out there that looked like he was like twelve years old flagging. I'm not sure that's what we need. No, it it has been an issue, but as Steve said, it's it's the fortieth year of yeah. ranting about it, and uh, you know it's. It is a tough job. I did enjoy that part where Cole was like, let's go flag. Let's see who's the best flagger. Like, how interesting would it be to see Steve Mathis sitting on the sideline with a, you know, a yellow flag waving when someone's gone down? I'd, I'd nearly pay to see that. I, I would too, but I, I feel like Steve would make comedy out of it somehow. Like, he would grab yeah. a black flag and throw it at Phil. Or, <laughs> you know, like, it would turn into something else, Toolman Dan. Yeah, for sure. It'd be all bad. I. <laughs> It's the, this flagging thing has been going on for years. Yeah, and I know. You, know, you know what? I mean, it's it's an easy fix, right? It's just it just takes money uh, to be able to pay these individuals to travel with the series and, and properly train them. I mean, that's really what what needs to happen. I, I've been to a few supercrosses, uh, you know, with Daniel and and you're back, you know, back in the pits and uh, in the tunnel and and literally these people show up. You know, they normally do it once a year. It's the same people over and over, but they have new people. And man, they these people are showing up and they're literally, you know, well, this is what a green flag is and this is what it means. And this is and it's like, oh my God, those are the people that are gonna be flagging tonight and out, out on the track. It's it's pretty scary, but it just needs to be fixed instead of everybody complaining about it. Maybe maybe we should start a a fun dark side, like a like a GoFundMe or something for track workers, you know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Well, I think the answer to most of the issues we have with our sport is funds. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to that. But, okay, so I have a also a little bit of a weak mini rant of my own, and it was when I called in and Steve said that I need to start doing live reads because he says he listens to the show, he gives me criticism, and I do live reads every single show. Now, he is correct that I do. I used to, during the intro, the pre-recorded intro, I had all the, the reads pre-recorded also, so they got done twice. And about a month ago, I cut all that out and did it, put it in a new intro. But I always do live reads, and I don't feel like they sound pre-recorded. So I don't know, Trent, where Steve's coming from, but he's wrong. When I was listening to it, and by the way, Doc, your intro gets better every single show. Uh, when I was listening to it, I was just like, you could see how it does sound like that because I think you're so good at your ad reads, Doc. You really perfected them and you make them sound exactly the same every time they come out of your mouth because you're the ultimate professional. So Man, I, think I like your spin. I like it, your spin. Take it. Take it as a compliment, Doctor, that you're that good at sound pre-recorded. Yeah, and I, I just remember this. I forgot to say this when we were talking about Dylan earlier. During his kind of where he got basically ranting towards the end, he did give a wrap-up mention. Thank you. I don't I didn't quite understand the Randy <laughs> Richardson tie-in, but I appreciate the I appreciate the mention, Dylan. I'll, I'll send you twenty bucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, all right. So during my my call, 
I, I, I'm sure you guys remember this. I, I told Cole, Hey, but didn't you, you didn't know that they took Eli's works parts away. And I, I cracked up when he's like, is that real? Like he didn't, he was so lost. Dan, he didn't have any idea. I was joking. I thought that was pretty damn funny. I loved it. I, I literally laughed out loud because, you know, it's going back to our, our group text, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God. I was laughing. It was good. That was great. And I want to give a shout out to my buddy, Jake, uh, guy that listens to the show, Jake Curry and his girlfriend, Jordan, they've helped out. They've done the wrap up show before Jake called in when I was in, tried to make fun of me with the Tinder, the Tinder comment there. There is no dark side <laughs> Tinder account. I'm not there. Um, anyway, I, and I, I wasn't really prepared for Steve to ask me about my relationship again. Like, you know, but I, I mean, I get it. It's all right. I just, I had a bunch of people go, Oh crap. I like, they didn't know, or they were like, Oh man, I feel like he shouldn't have brought that up, but it's fine. No big deal. Dude, uh, maybe, maybe though dark side that all these, these moto women, these single moto women will just start blowing up your DMs. And the mo- where's the monster good. girls at? <laughs> I know which one you want. No, uh, you don't. Yeah. You think that's the case, yeah. but I, no, it, no, we're just, her and I are just, we're just, we're homies. I, and I'll yeah, you, I know. Uh, we're gonna, oh, I'm gonna drop the subject. I'm gonna drop this. <laughs> we, right. Yeah, we should we should stop now before we go further. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, during the expert tear offs, Steve explained <laughs> the gay Suzuki rider myth story a little bit. He brought that up, <laughs> and this is the best, probably the best line of the whole night. Eh, Phil had some really good ones, but Cole asked if Will Hahn had ever rode Suzuki. That was gold. Trent, that that was great. It was perfect, and it was so easy, like easy to like. I was just sitting there, and then uh, he just goes, "Oh, did uh, Will Hunt ever ride the Suzuki?" And then you just see it like click in everyone's brain there. What he just said, yeah, and yeah. Just, like start laughing. Like it was just so quick and easy. And yeah, I think I, I had that down. It's probably one of the quotes of the night. So <laughs> that was yeah. It was like a JTS quote. I mean, JT's super quick yeah. like that. Also, uh, Dan during the X Brand tear offs, Steve told Cole uh, that he, he, he'd be winning right now if he wore Lucids, and, and Cole said, well, maybe maybe I'll come back. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, good stuff during X-Brand tear-offs. I'm sure most of you was, guys have yeah, already listened, but a lot of good stuff. Also, of course, Steve asking JT if he's if Fly Racing, that they've discussed taking all the sponsor money for all the podcasts, because Fly Racing also sponsors the main event. They sponsor my show. Uh, and just put it into one pot, all goes to Pulpamex. Steve is always trying to take all the shit away from the rest of us. But that, yeah, but, I mean, man, he's got a following. Yes, you know he what does. I mean? It's, it's, yes, he does. Not, I mean, I'm, I hate saying this, but and they better not take our, our sponsorship because, you know, we, we do promote fly racing as well. Uh, but, man. He's not wrong by wanting more money. I mean, I'm sure they get the most bang for their buck out of Steve. Yeah, well, I think he uh, – I'm not even going to get into – I don't know what he makes, but I know it's significant compared to it, – It's. I would bet that Steve probably gets the biggest percent pie of Fly's um, media dollar or sponsor dollars going out to not necessarily riders, but like a media outlet except for their sponsorship for Supercross. That's got to be number one. But right, I bet Steve's right, right under that with what he gets percent pie wise. See, but, we need to start figuring out what Steve's getting paid from. I mean, he wants he he is always talking about what these riders get paid and everything else. Gajillions, secretive. 
you know, I think Steve should start divulging that information. Dude, actually not a bad point. I'm sure he has gajillions <laughs> or bazillions at least in the bank. Dude, I don't, I guess, surely he's going to, this is going to come out soon. Like he's moving again. Dang, really? Yeah, he's big. He's going to get a bigger mansion. No, actually, I think he's downsizing, but um, yeah, anyway, we won't, we probably shouldn't talk about Steve's money because he might get mad even though, and be hypocritical. So we're going to move on. Uh, listen, we all ride, and from time to time, we need parts, we need gear, we need lubes, right, Trent? Yeah. All right. Definitely. Well, when you need to restock, visit motorsport.com. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. And speaking of Motorsport.com, the Filthy Phil check-in has honestly now surpassed Race Tech Rants as my favorite segment. It's back. Here's a little bit of a montage. Some positives to take away from High Point, Phil. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, all right. Never mind scored, then. Score some points, I guess. I, I I don't know. Not Still not dialed. But, uh, okay. Yeah, we survived it. Second moto sucked. Yeah, I don't know. I ended up 14th somehow. How? I don't know. I didn't ride very good. I, I suck. I, I, I don't know why I suck. I'm just, um, I'm not a pussy. I'm not going to sit out because I got an issue with my shoulder. You okay. Know? People pay me to go out to ride, so it's, uh, it's okay. Not right. a stick and ball sport. I'm over these fucking weekly check Well, you can. You Motorsport.com. <laughs> All year. Exactly. Because he's not on cloud nine because you have guys like Mathis and Weed blowing him out, wondering why he sucks going six <laughs> nine on the weekend. Yeah. Cole, have you ever seen Phil's Cannon Day Cowie KX Supercross test? Everyone's test fucking yes. seen it. Okay, dude. thank you. Dude, is that not fucking weird or what? Crushing it. Making way more than he does at an AMA motocross. <laughs> I was like, I see your dog drying itself on my towel. I said, I'm going to take it by its tail and whip it like it's a lasso. Dan, oh my God, I'm sorry. This is like this. This cannot end. This has to be like multi-year contract. Pay Phil whatever it takes. Get him on the uh, Pulp Mech Show every Monday night for all eternity. It, it's pure gold. It's like it is as raw as it comes, as honest as it comes, dude. It's Phil, Phil's the man. Uh, you just, how can you dislike anything that comes out of Phil's mouth? It's just, it's just pure honesty, and I love it's it. The best, Trent. How and about it's the sarcasm? Yeah, the sarcasm is what's the best. You know, it's like, oh my god, it's he's he's awesome. He is awesome, Trent. What about the Phil kicking Cole in the nuts story? And Steve posted the picture on his Instagram today. That was great. It's he actually had the picture of it. I'd never seen that before. It couldn't be any more on brand for Phil. Like, just, you know, the, the throat slit gestures, everything like that. And then, yeah, Cole walked in. And, and I think everyone who's been in studio or has been on the phone when Phil's been, you know, called up has a Phil story. Like, I don't think there's anybody in the sport that does hasn't had a run-in with Phil. And, uh, yeah, the kicking in the nuts and then seeing the picture come up on social media later. Actually, <laughs> it popped up on the screen during YouTube as well. It was, uh, it was funny. I'm, like, laughing at it. And, and uh, Cole's like, yeah, we, we squashed it pretty quickly because I don't think you want to have Phil on your bad side. But, dude, right. I like how he sits there and he's like, I don't want to do these check-ins. And then, <laughs> and then like 35 minutes later, he's still on the phone, yeah, still talking yeah. about something. So, I mean, I love him. They, they do, do need to stay. Yeah, I was so disappointed last week when there wasn't a race the, the previous Saturday. 
and we didn't get Phil. Like it just, it's not the same. Um, and we found out that <laughs> the dog comment him whipping the dog was based off talking about Nick, uh, Nick, dang it, Nicky, Dominic Thurry, who rides for the same team, uh, kid from Germany. He, he's got his little dog with him everywhere. And during that discussion, Steve tells us that uh, Dan, he built a, or had built a $300 dog ramp to get a dog in the bed. <laughs> Holy shit. There we go. We're, now we know about what he makes. You know, if he makes enough to spend $300 on a dog ramp, he's balling. Yeah, but dude, we'll do anything for our pets, no matter what. Yeah. I've, I've, I've done some stupid things and paid some stupid money for dogs. So I, right. I get it. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not much of a pet guy, but so I don't totally understand it, but Radio Gold, for sure. Uh, while Phil was on, they were reflecting on Cole's career, and I really liked where this conversation led to. Uh, Phil was pretty positive about Cole, but it led into another topic that I really want to get into. I think it's great. Looking in, I think Cole's, Cole's career was pretty badass. Oh, thank you, dude. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You get out of this sport somewhat healthy with some money in the bank, and your fact, you rode yeah. factory bikes, you made it. Yeah. You made it. Like, yeah. People tell me, do you think Michael Lessie's the biggest bust of all time? I'm like, dude, Michael Lessie won millions of dollars, won nationals. Yeah. He never really, won a Supercross, but who cares? He was like second to Stewart every yeah, single yeah, race, yeah, like, basically. But I'm like, that's not a bust. Yeah. Like, sure, yeah, he no, didn't win a title, no. but that dude, the guy walked away with bajillions in the yeah, bank and yeah. wins. So, Trent, I'm going to go to you first. And some of this goes back to some of the conversation that you and Nick had when you had uh, Christian and Paige Craig on your show the other day. And... Just the keyboard warriors, the people that, ah, oh, you know, he's, he sucks or, you know, so-and-so doesn't deserve that ride. Uh, you know, Michael Lessie's career was a bust. Uh, Blake Baggett does, doesn't deserve a ride. Joey Savacci sucks. That's for you, Nick. Um, but it's ridiculous, man. Anybody, in my opinion, anybody that can make night shows or qualify for nationals, like our buddy Connor Olson, who is getting all kinds of media hype from Weeds lately, none of those guys suck first of all and nobody that has a career like anybody that we ever talk about on these shows is a bust in my opinion uh, you know they did talk about some of the guys that have had some you know nico izzy and, and uh, a couple of the guys that maybe had some substance issues and their career didn't go where they meant to go but man if you finish out your career like steve says pretty much healthy you know like cole seeley dude it's it's a win yeah, I mean, and Steve has said multiple times when this topic comes up with uh, any of the riders, you know, what you would give anything to have that career as a Hell as yeah. a rider. I mean, I would give anything to have Cole's career. Yeah, he didn't win the titles, he didn't do but you rode a factory Honda and you know, that's that's a big feat in itself to even get to that team. So you know, uh, the keyboard warriors are—they are what they are. They think they know better, but if you gave them that opportunity, they'd be jumping at it quick as look at them. So um, it's one of those things, I guess. These guys, unfortunately, have to deal with that stuff. And the way social media is right now, it's—you know—it's so easy for these guys to, to have access to these athletes and and to tell them their opinions that are, you know, really out there, probably 100% wrong. Yeah, Dan, there's we uh Scotty Winterstrom. Steve just did a privateer island with him. He's one of our local guys. He lives like 30 minutes from me. Uh never made a main event. Been doing this I don't even know how many years at this point. I um a long time. And some of our local guys, people that I know like, oh, you know, it's he sucks. It's ridiculous. I can't believe he even shows up to race and and one of these guys is actually a good friend of mine that says this. It's like and they they're so mad at him for it. I'm like 
dude, if you can make a night show and somebody's willing to support you to go do it and you're still capable of doing it, even that to me is not like it's it's not I guess a, I wouldn't say he's not a bust, but it's like whatever, dude, he's making he's making night shows. He doesn't suck. No, and that's the thing. I mean, he's making night shows. He's making a little bit of money. He has the ability to ride a supercross track. That alone is just is is incredible. Uh, if you've ridden any kind of supercross, you would know that it is gnarly. And if you are, if you have the ability to make a night show, and you're making a little bit of money, and you know what, if the guy's having a blast and having the time of his life, then nothing else matters. Exactly. And it's it, it's it's these keyboard warriors. They sit behind their computer and just talk shit all day because they have nothing better to do. It's just, I, I get it all the time. Uh, you know, people hate on me, sending me DMs, you know, how much I suck on the main event moto show and stuff. It's like, okay, bud, come sit in my seat and, and, and hammer it out. Let's, let's yeah, go. Right, right. And they won't. You give it a you shot. Know, so, Why don't you try it? Because it ain't easy. Yeah. yeah. No. It's I, just haters, man. Yeah. It's the haters that are just jealous and instead of going out and making something of their life, they just want to talk shit on other people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Honda's Trey Kennard also joined late in the show. Uh, they touch on a number of topics, but the difficulties of the sport and things that the top athletes deal with that a lot of these fans, like people we just talked about, don't even understand was something that really stood out. I, I mean, again, look, Tomac is an all-time great, but I don't know how much he's enjoying things. You know what I mean? Like, to me, he's a lot, like, a little bit to me like RV at the end. Like, remember, Villapoto <laughs> was just like, dude, he was hating it, right? It was yeah. just a, yeah. was grinding him up. I think almost Tomac's almost there now. Maybe this Yamaha switch helps, but, you know, yeah. Trey, I don't think that the people realize how much, yeah, pressure you guys are under. Yeah, and, it, and it's, man, it's just, it never really stops, you know, because, and, and, dude, I hate to say this because it sounds like, oh, you know, poor me, life's in the heart. But, um, but it's just, it's just a lot, you know, because you, you pretty much deal with it your whole career. There's like two or three weeks a year where you can kind of let down a little bit, but, there's a part of that you, that you enjoy, you know, because there's a there's a certain drive or like goal that you're striving towards. Where I think now I kind of still have that a little bit, but mm-hmm. like Monday morning, I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna have some coffee today. <laughs> <laughs> like like, like yeah. I felt so guilty if I took a day off and just like needed to yeah. recover. Right, right. If I didn't yeah. do anything all day, I yeah. felt so guilty. Right, right. So Cooper Webb wins his second four with the Supercross title and like an amazing comeback. Right, and it was a great season. And literally three weeks later, we're all like, what the fuck's wrong with Cooper Webb? <laughs> guy sucks balls. <laughs> right? Like, he's probably like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, to be a two-time four for the Supercross yeah. champion is amazing, right? And now he's and, hating life. Right. right now. And now he's just like, oh, God, I just got blown. My door's blown off here at High Point, oh, you know? Uh, I'm going to go back to you first, Dan. True statements. Everything he said there, like, we are general fans – even us, really. I mean, most of us, well, you probably more so because you hang out around Jacob Hayes and stuff. But we we don't think about day-to-day when these guys are having a bad race. We don't go, man, these guys are putting everything on the line. They are taking time away from their families that sometimes that we don't think about. Like, we're home every night. These guys might be out hitting the gym. Uh, they can't have a fucking Twinkie after dinner if they want. You know, they have to watch every little thing. Uh, and again, Christian Craig even kind of touched on that again on, on the Moto Limited show on his deal the other night that he's never trained as hard as when what he's doing right now, uh, you know, and that he loves it. But it's like they they go through so much and they ride through injuries, uh, the injuries maybe we don't know about. It's it, it's just it's crazy what they go through. 
And a lot of people don't understand. They just say, oh, they show up Saturday. Everything's there for them. Uh, they're like rock stars at the race. But as all these riders will tell you, Saturday is the easy, the easy part. That's, that's like, you know, that's the only downtime. And as he, they mentioned, they don't get any time off. Maybe a couple weeks a year where they can kind of chill out and relax and that's it. Yeah. It's, you know, I think, I think as fans, we forget that these guys are just normal people, right? They're normal individuals. They just happen to be really fast and really good on a dirt bike. And these, these guys don't have normal lives. They, they train 24 seven. Like you said, they can't have a Twinkie at night, no ice cream, you know, where we have the ability, Hey, dark side, you want to go for pizza tonight? Let's go. I mean, they don't, they don't have a normal life like most of us. And I think truly, if you ask a lot of them, you know, we look at them like they walk on water and they've got the life, man. But a lot of those people would just die to have a normal life like you and I have, Mm -hmm. you know, of course they're making millions of dollars or whatever. And they're, they're doing something totally rad. But at the end of the day, you know, I think a lot of these guys just get burned out and would just love to have a normal life where they could sleep in till 10 Saturday morning and, you know, go, go get ice cream for dinner. And it's the little things like that, that people don't, they, they don't, they're not reminded of that. It's, it, it's not everything it looks like it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's know? definitely not. And, uh, Trent it's dude, I don't know, man. Uh, like I, again, like he said, I like my, my ice cream and, I'm not willing to give that much stuff up, but you know, you and I, or anybody, anybody listening, if you have a hobby, let's say you have a hobby. Let's say you go play golf on Saturday with your buddies, but you're married and you have kids and your wife's like, really? You're going again, you know, or can you, can't you stay, spend some time with me? Well, these guys also have this same shit, right? Most of them have wives, kids now, and I'm sure their families understand what they're doing, but you probably, they have those I'm sure they're being nagged here and there, or they have other commitments. They're like, I should be at whatever Jaggers baseball game right now, or I should be here, but I'm doing this. Like we, I don't think we think of those things because like Dan said, we think of them almost as superhuman, but they're just like us. They have all the same issues we have. They, they have, maybe they have a financial issue or they have a, a, a mom that's sick or whatever, but they're also having to be 100% athlete at the same time and all these things are expected of them and it's not fair. Yeah. And as I said, like for, for the average fan, it's a hobby and, and we get to do it on the weekend or maybe one day a week. These guys are doing it every single day and it's part of their life um, that they have to go out there and do that. I mean, you know, Chad Reed has been on the show with Steve once before and when they were talking about that comeback and he said, I have to be super selfish to do this and I'm not willing to take that time away from my kids. So, I mean, that statement alone, you take that and apply it to every single rider that has kids um, or has a partner. You know, they've got to be selfish. It's all about them to get that end result. Um, and we don't get to see that on the backside, you know, as an average fan. You just see, as you said, the Saturday rock up, do the races, get the factory bike, get all this sort of stuff. But, you know, they've, they've got to turn things down. They've got to say no to, to parties, to, you know, with these guys with kids some of their kids' games or races or stuff like that, they've got to say no to it. And that's some valuable time that these guys miss. Um, but it's a payoff for what they get to do, which is race a dirt bike. But I think they get hammered for it a bit too much. Absolutely. And I want to ask you this, Trent. This is what I thought right there at the end of that audio, and I thought about it Monday night. You got Trey Kennard on. We know Trey's personality. We know he is a um, you know a Christian guy. 
pretty clean cut. And then Steve's dropping F-bombs and saying suck balls and blah, 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 whatever terminology he uses. Does it make you uncomfortable? Do you even think about that when a guy like Trey's on Cause it, or Dungey? Because I'm like, oh, I cringe a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, these guys are probably used to it as well. Like oh, of that, course. That's their, that's their choice in life to, to go down that. And obviously, Steve has his way. And I think a lot of these guys have known Steve most of their career now. So they just know what he's like. And I think it's just, you know, water off a duck's back for these, for these guys. But yeah, you definitely think about it afterwards. You think, oh, Steve was going pretty heavy there. And, and he can hear <laughs> Trey just, just taking it in and then, you know, coming back with, you know, his very clean cut way that he answers these questions and, you know, doesn't doesn't really talk down about anybody. He's very positive, which is, yep. I mean, probably one of Trey's biggest assets is how positive he is about pretty much anything. True, very true. All right, so we, we were just sort of talk, talking about everything these guys go through, how hard they train. And when they train, a lot of guys are riding mountain bikes or road bikes, and I'm hoping that most of them use Michelin Bicycle Tires because Michelin Bicycle Tires is a sponsor of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show in 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram. Uh, okay, so a couple more things. Really what I want to finish up with is Cole Seeley talk for the most part. Great guest. We talked about that. Tons of stories throughout this episode, Dan. Um, his MXDN story about getting mad at a journalist talking shit and asking for an interview, that's something, again, all of us are in this podcast world now, a little bit media, quote-unquote, guys. And Steve's talked about that, right? Like, you have to be honest. You have to be sometimes harsh uh, but then you can see from Cole's perspective, and Steve says it's part of the deal. You got to do interviews, but you can see that like that can backfire on a on an interviewee or interviewer. Yeah, I think you got to be you got to be careful in what you say and uh, be respectful of it because if not, you could definitely burn bridges. Um, you just you got to be tactful. Got to find that line, the fine line. You got to find the line. You got to, and, and and that's where I think Steve has done a good job. I think Daniel does a really good job of you know stating facts and um, you know, but doing it respectfully and tactfully, but yet also give your opinion and not come off like a dick and 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 actually piss somebody off. Because if you do that right, and somebody starts thinking about it, then well, yeah, you know, he was he was right, you know, but it, you know, at least he wasn't a, a, a jerk about it. Yeah, yeah. So, it, go ahead. You know, when you do start doing shady shit, like Cole was, you know, the, with the journalist that Cole was talking about, right? he was doing some shady stuff, and then you know, wanting to come back around for an interview. I don't blame him. I don't blame him for telling the guy to go pound sand. No, and I, I think it, done the same thing. Yeah, I think it was great in that particular instance because it was MXDN. The guy had already, sounds like the guy had already interviewed the other two teammates of Cole, and he's like, "Hey, but we need you to." to complete the the trifecta and Cole's like, yeah, too bad. You screwed up. So yeah, I kind of, I, I dig that. And I do want to give a, I'm going to give a shout out to the guy during the motorsport tweet at tits segment that shit on the wrap up show and tell you, yeah, fuck off, man. Just click on the damn thing and then delete it, but make sure you click (laughs) on it, click on it before you delete it. Yeah. Uh, Cole also Trent talked about, you know, basically his, 
his battles with Jason Anderson, 21, in 2014. Uh, he talked about the stomach bug he had, and he kind of thought it was over. I, I liked his perspective on that. I like, you know, he's been on the show as a call-in guest and sort of touched on it, but I, I thought what he had to say and getting his side was pretty cool. Yeah, he, as we said at the top, like he's very, very open with what he was saying and and very factual. Like he was basically just laying it out and saying, "Hey, this is this is it. This is how you know, this is my side of it. This is how I was feeling." And really gave us that insight that I think a, a lot of fans and listeners really are looking for. And it's what Steve sort of pulls out of these guests when he has them in is that insight that that they can feel comfortable to open up enough that all of us as an audience can sit there and, and really relate to it or take it on board as you know maybe changing our opinion of, of certain writers and, and mm-hmm. athletes or industry people so it was cool to see him just open up and, and really bear all so we can really understand what was going on through that time period for, for Cole Sealy. yeah and uh Dan the other thing another thing that got brought up was the transfer of the number 14 he asked yeah. K-Dub I, I like the way he talked about how he asked K-Dub but I want to get your thoughts on what they talked about with Dylan Ferrandez taking it. It pissed off Cole Seeley. You know, and I don't know. Do you, like, I don't know if Dylan really understood. Maybe did that. It was, I don't know. Right. I don't know what Dylan's thoughts were. If he was just like, well, fuck Justin Cooper. I don't care. Or if he was even aware of it. I like Dylan as a person, but I, I thought the story was cool. I like the fact that Cole admitted like, yeah, man, it made me mad. It was kind of bullshit. Well, I think it's just it's the respect that we have for for each other and yeah. the writers have for each other is to reach out to that person that holds that plate and and ask for that number. And maybe Dylan didn't know the you know how we do it over here from you know being from France. Maybe they don't do that over there. I don't, I don't think they do. Um, you know, so maybe he just didn't know. But in the same sense, you know, Will Hahn obviously knew about this, and uh, you know, Justin Cooper wanted to take the number. Somewhere along the lines, you would have thought that he would have found out or heard that Dylan might be taking that number also. Because if I remember right, I think there was talks about that. There was like some rumblings so before it actually happened. So I would have thought that Will would have said, hey, Dylan, you know, heard you might want the number 14. You know, this is this is how we do it here. You know, it's, it's respectful to call Kevin and, 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 you know, ask him if it's OK for you to take the number. But maybe not. I, I don't know what this, this this scenario was, but I honestly think it was is more or less just kind of a misunderstanding. Yeah, you know, just not knowing how it worked. What you're saying makes a lot of sense, but I do know that Dylan and his wife Nastasia really keep to themselves, right? It's pretty much they deal mm-hmm. with DV. So, like, yeah, maybe he didn't have that conversation. With Will I don't know, but um, it's still well, kind of DV, DV knows DV. Should uh, have DV said, does. Yeah, that's a good point. You um, know, absolutely. So somebody yeah. should have said something to him. All right. So the last topic that I have notes on that I really want to touch on um, is something that Trent gave me in his notes. Stephen Hall, who helps out with notes, gave me. I think I don't think Nick sent me notes today, but a couple people have talked about this. And it was Cole Seeley talked about the mental health issues that plague society in general. We've seen it a lot in sports, but having um, ADHD and anxiety and trying to get his meds right but not wanting to abuse those. And he also talked about depression after his crash and his injury in Tampa and like never wanted to look at a bike again. Then he right, comes back and at Indy, you know, even after a heat w- win, he doesn't want to ride anymore. Like stuff that is a struggle that probably a lot of us deal with. I think it's super important, Trent, that we talk about these things. 
that the sport talks about these things, you know, major league sports, NFL, major league baseball, it, it has been more open discussion over the last five, 10 years, I guess. And I think it's good that these guys are talking about it. We've heard it a lot on Pulp MX, honestly, through some different riders this year. Yeah. And as, that's sort of why I brought it up is that it's good that Cole came out and, and spoke about it, you know, and, and when he found out he had, you know, ADHD and he, he goes, things started making sense. What I was doing and how I was acting with certain things started making sense. And, you know, then he could put a game plan together of how he was going to sort of combat those types of, you know, types of issues he was having. And, you know, it's just something, you know, I'm pretty passionate about and, you know, Nick and I speak about a lot. And, um, you know, the, the Savachi, you know, Nick's gone on and asked Savachi about it in press conferences as well, you know, and, all these guys deal with it, but it just kind of gets swept under the rug. And I really enjoyed that Cole brought it up, broke it down about how he's dealing with it and how, you know, how he was, you know, a little worried at the start, but now he's sort of come to terms with it and he wants to speak about it and hopefully help help um, others sort of come through it as well. So uh, that's why I have to sort of put it down is I, I enjoyed that he, he brought it up, he broke down his situation and, and, you know, was willing to talk about it in a, in a bigger platform that Pulp is. I agree. Dan, anything? Yeah, it's, I thought that was probably the coolest part of the show, honestly, you know, cause we all battle with something, right? We, we've all got something going on in our life that that's bothering us. It's not all, you know, roses and rainbows, right? That so ain't no lie. I, I think that, you know, him, you know, using the platform of, of pulp and, you know, he is a star in, in the motocross, supercross community and kids, kids look up to him. Uh, adults look up to him. You know, so I think him sharing the story and the battles uh, with the, with the general public gives people the ease of mind, you know, to reflect on themselves and uh, reflect on maybe, you know, like he was saying, he went to, to go talk to somebody and, and looked at some meds. He didn't want the meds. I thought that was awesome. Not not going and taking the medication because that's always the easiest way out, mm-hmm. um, you know, but looking at some other avenues to to deal with that and uh you know, it was it was actually really eye opening, to be honest, and and I hope every I hope others were inspired by that as well. And, and you know, maybe you just don't know, man. You you could save somebody's life by having that conversation. And definitely, yeah, it's it's like it's, I thought it was awesome. In the past, it's been somewhat taboo to talk about, but I think that may be why there's so many people that struggle with it. So yeah, it's great that these guys that are willing to talk about it do. And I think Pulp Mex is the perfect place to talk about stuff like that because of the platform he has. Um, okay. And it, before, just makes you, it makes you feel not so lonely also. Yeah, you know what I mean? We've, yeah. we've all gone through hell this last, I'm pretty you know, lonely right now. Months with the, with, yeah, I know you are <laughs> with this whole COVID thing. We're all a little bit depressed, you know, whether you, whether you know it or not. And I think just hearing that, you know, that other people are in the same boat and we all have something going on. I, I think that puts a lot of ease to people's minds. Totally agree. Uh, before we go, I want to thank once again, motorsport.com, Michelin bicycle tires, guts racing, seal savers, Along with all the other Pulpmex sponsors, including Fly Racing, X Brand, uh, Race Tech, Manscaper, or Manscaped, um, all those guys, just pulpmexshow.com. Contact info, check out the links, check out the discount codes. If you can't find one, hit up contact at pulpmexshow.com. Maybe Steve can help you out. Don't forget to also use that same email, contact at pulpmexshow.com. To send your email to Steve about what you loved about this episode of the show, why you like it, and then screenshot that email, send it to me via my email, darkside at pulpmex.com, or you can DM it to me on Instagram. 
and you'll get a chance to win a DCMX toolbox with graphics from Pulp MX, Moto, uh, Main Event Moto, Moto Limited Show, Moto X-Pod Show, and possibly the Moto Spot Show. We'll, we'll consider that. So, yeah, it's really we'll, a badass. We'll put, the Moto, we'll put the Moto Spot Show on there. What the hell? Yeah, I think it's only fair. We love Triple. We give him so much crap, but we love him. He's a good dude. We, love, we love you too, Nick. <laughs> but uh, before we go, uh, Trent, do you have anything else, anything that you that I didn't catch or bring up that you want to touch on? No, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good stuff that we didn't touch on. So if you haven't listened to the show, you need to definitely do that. But uh, Dark Side, you keep doing the good work you're doing here, the wrap-up show. You, um, Steve gave you some little compliments as well as some negativity, but I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely you're making it better and better each time. As we spoke about with Steve doing his show, he gets better and better. You're starting to get uh, really up there on the same level with this wrap-up show. And, Man, and, uh, I I'm, think, I'm, having Trent back. I'm having Trent back every week. Uh <laughs> Pumping my ego. I like it. Uh, Dan, how about you, man? Anything else you want to touch on? Anything you want to? No, no. I Uh, I appreciate you uh, giving your time, Dark Side, to to do these wrap-up shows because it's tough. You know, uh, it's tough for a lot of us to to sit down and listen to a a five-hour show. So, you know, these shows to wrap things up in an hour and a half, two hours is is awesome. And and thanks to Steve for allowing you to keep doing it. And, dude, you're doing doing a killer job, man. I remember the first – some of the first wrap-up shows I did with you. Yeah, they weren't very good. And – yeah, they were. I mean, dude, it just shows everybody can get better with practice. Ah, I like it. I like it. Well, don't forget uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, criticisms, or topics for Hello Pookie, hit me up, darkside at pulpmex.com. Uh, stay tuned for the call with Steve Mathis discussing guests who can't make it in the middle of the show when things maybe go crazy a little bit. He, he, it's about a nine minute little conversation with him where he talks about some stuff like that. So stay tuned on that. We're out of here. Let's wrap. That's Dark Side, everybody. The man. The man. Right? Yep. Like, yeah, he's the man. He the, man. the man. He's the man. All right. I got a special guest for this Pulpamex wrap-up show. The one and only Steve Mathis of Pulpamex. What's up, Mathis? What's happening? Thank you for having me on the best wrap-up show in the sport. That That is a fact. It is the best. The best one. So, hey, man, I just wanted to get you on here because Monday night you had a guest scheduled. Uh, Denny Stevenson, Debo who ended up being a no-show. I know it's happened in the past, but I want to know how that affects you and your flow of the show, You know, particularly on this Monday night, but just in general. When something like that happens, does it throw you off your game? No, no, not really. I mean, generally speaking, I have more notes to talk about than I ever get to every mm-hmm. show, right? So this show was weird, though. Just two call-ins, right? Just yeah. Kennard and, and Phil, that's it. So, you know, we go we have a four call-ins a lot of times, sometimes five. So we went down to two call-ins. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of planned to talk to Cole about his career a little bit. I blocked out 30 minutes or so to talk to him about his career. And that would have been a perfect opportunity, except I had more stuff to talk about when it comes to the race. Now I don't remember Debo was supposed to call in after Phil. Yeah. So whatever we talked about after Phil was kind of the fill in of stuff, you know? Um, so, but I just picked it up and, you know, looked back at my notes and kind of just started rapping with Cole. Right. So honestly it was no big deal. It wasn't any issues at all. It was no problems. I, I had plenty to talk about. So, and even, you know, uh, Mr. Legendary has a strict, uh, 10 o'clock, um, departure oh, yeah. for the show. Yeah. And you'll notice like we, 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 we were done about 10 after 10, I think it, at the end of ended up being, but 
I still ran out of time because I wanted to go deeper into Cole's career and, uh, and decision to retire, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I had to wrap that up because we had to do the tweet segment. So even with Debo dropping out, I still didn't get to everything I needed. Yeah, you guys went into the 450 and 250 championship talk right after that. I guess that's what you kind of yeah. went into. But um, has there ever been a guest that bailed that did put you in a bind or just like brought down the vibe of the show because you were disappointed? Or are you pretty much always prepared for something like that? Yeah, I'm pretty much always ready to go. I mean, I think Justin Cooper canceled like really late one time or something. Um, and whatever, I don't, something came up, whatever yeah. shit happens. Right. Um, so I, I don't, I think he canceled really late one time and I know for laser gate show, I had to bump Kyle Cunningham. One of the few times I've ever bumped a guest. Um, you know, I just was like, Hey, uh, Mike Genova and Tony, let's losing their mind. So we can't get to you <laughs> right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then, um, I've definitely texted people during the show to be like, Hey man, pick up your phone. Like we're, we're calling right now. You know, right, right. Um, and added a guest or something, but uh, no, I, I honestly, I, I know you're, you know, you're probably looking for some um, exciting news, but it really didn't affect the flow at all. Yeah, I, I've been there once or twice. Like Cooper Webb canceled on me minutes before. Well, actually, he rescheduled. Hey, I'm going to dinner. Can I do it in 45? And I'm like, well, yeah. I've, I've got another guest then, but sure, you know. And then Chase did that to me just maybe a month ago, like it was booked. It wasn't answering, wasn't answering. And I like, I had a backup. Thank God that just in case. And then like five minutes before he's like, Oh, I can't do it. I'm still at the track. So yeah. Yeah. And that's, that stresses me out. That's why I was curious because I, I lose my shit. But your show is a little more one-on-one interview, right? Yeah. We don't have near as much in between free flow stuff. Yeah, you have the TJ guy, right? Yeah, TJ, who, and then I have another guy, Scotty, who you – I don't know. I think he called into your show once a few months ago, but okay. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if how easy it is for you to just flip a switch and be like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about now. It's not easy for me because I get stressed a little too easy, I think. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I need a schedule. I'm 470 episodes in, right? So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I, not, not, not stressful. I schedule everything real tight, and that sometimes bites me in the ass with stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I, um, I mean, definitely one of the criticisms of the show over the years is like, Hey man, you cut that guy off. That was a great interview. You should have kept going. And I hear that. I've heard that, you know, probably the most biggest complaint over the years. And that's just because, yeah, like, Hey man, I, I got 30 minute block for you. And then the next guest is coming on and that's right. it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to tell you, like, I don't want to, the one-on-one interviews are the Steve Mathis show. Those are one-on-one two hour, one and a half hour long interviews those are the ones that go longer. And, you know, if you want to listen to those, go to that show. The Pulp Show is not meant to be, you know, an hour-long interview of anybody. Right. You know, so. Well, I think that works out, too, because if it is a situation like that where somebody is saying, man, you should have kept going, then that just leaves them, well, we'll get them back on in a month or two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I look at the Pulp Show like a morning radio stuff, you yep. know, like, uh, and, it, and it moves along quickly, and it shouldn't be, it should be segments. It should be laughs. It should be fun. It should be, uh, it should move quickly. It should, um, you know, uh, cause some debate. And then <laughs> yeah. the race review show is, you know, an hour long. Let's talk about this race and only this race. And then the Steve Mathis show in one-on-one interviews are like, let's dive into your career and really get into your history of what you've been doing, et cetera, et cetera. So I try to do different shows for different things. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. 
And I, I talk about this on the wrap up show a lot that I think a lot of people feel like the review show is probably their favorite because of the, um, the, the way you guys relate you and Weege and JT, you know, the bonds you guys have. Do you, do you feel that that like, is that your favorite show to do or, or not so much? Mm, well, no, cause when JT's totally wrong, it just makes me <laughs> upset. Yeah. Um, and vice versa. I think it just, yeah. Well, I, yeah. Um, no, I don't have a favorite show. Like sometimes those are my favorite. Yeah. And other times the one-on-one ones are right with some guests that I really dig or some guy I'm really into. Um, and then sometimes the hope show is just a, a five hour thing where you're just laughing the whole time. Right. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so I don't, there's not one of the shows. Sometimes the Moto 60 show is, it gets really hectic and gets going. We got a lot of callers on that. So yeah, no, it's it's uh it's different shows all the time that are my favorite. It's some some of them and some of them suck. Sometimes the pulp <laughs> show sucks, and there's, some sometimes the review show suck. You know, well, you know, it's funny because there's been a couple shows that like a, a couple weeks ago, one of the shows, maybe it was last week's show. I was like, hey, it was just it wasn't the normal vibe. It felt like it was sort of dragging a little bit. And then you have certain listeners that are like, oh, that was great. That was the best show ever. Yeah. So it does, yeah, 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 it works. Yeah, I mean, last week we had no show to break down. We just had Max and JT yeah. and Kirk in. Yep. And there was no race to break down. And we kind of rehashed some topics and, you know, did some different stuff and talked about fly a little bit more, let's say, or whatever. But yeah, that's, that's, uh, I've said this a hundred times. The, the one thing I've learned is that you'll never make everybody happy. Uh, cause some, somebody's best show will be somebody's worst show. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And some guests, somebody's, somebody's favorite guest will be somebody's worst guest. And you know, I, I mean, I, this morning, quite a bit of criticism for the Dylan Betts thing. Oh, geez. And, 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 you know, I get it, but then also a lot of things that I laughed out loud the whole time this morning, you know, listen to Dylan and Betts go back and forth. Yeah. So, I just got done yeah. pulling the audio from that segment and like, right. so having to listen to it for the second and third time yeah, was not easy, but trying to decide which audio I was going to use was almost impossible because Dylan was yeah. on fire. Yeah. He's on fire and it's great. So again, I just do what I want to do yep. and, if it works out great and if it doesn't, then that's fine too. There'll be another show down the road. So yeah, good attitude to have. Well, like I said, I just want to get you on for a minute to talk about the Debo thing. You, I, I didn't see anything on social media today. I was busy, but you told me he was okay. So that's good. Um, yeah. cause you, with Debo, you know, he has his demons and you never really know. Yeah, we're, we're going to work We, uh, I said, let's, uh, let's do red bud. So next show he, he should be in on that one. Oh, good. Let's hope he, he ends up, you know, making it happen. Uh, Davey Millsap's in after Red Bud, so that should be. That oh, that'd be, be a good one. Davey's always, yeah. Davey's good. He's yep. so he's he and you are uh, two of the most knowledgeable guys I've ever know, heard of in the sport. So that'll be a really entertaining show. All right. Well, thanks. And then Dark Side, work on those reads. <laughs> work yeah. on those reads. Okay, man. Uh, yeah, I'm getting to that segment. We'll talk about that tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks, man. See ya. See ya. Bye. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Say all along.